problem is they didn't believe. They, they were full of unbelief. And with this, they were trying to trap him. Because if you read verse 31, it says, And then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them in 32, and said, And answered them, Many good works have I shown you from the Father, for which of those works do you stone me? He'd done no wrong. He had no sin. And they were ready to kill him. The reason they were ready to kill him because people were falling away and not listening to the Pharisees. They were not listening to the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees and the scribes. They were finding out that there's a hope. They seen this man who was lowly and of, of no, no stature do great miracles. And those who had the stature could do nothing. Number one, they were out about themselves. You know, he turns over the, the changes in the, the money changers in the, ter, in the uh, temple. But here he's talking about they don't believe. And what they're looking to do is to blame him for their unbelief. They're looking to blame him for their unbelief. And so when he had told him, he said, why do you stone me for my good works? And they said, no, we don't stone you for your good works. We stone you for blasphemy. And Jesus answered them, is it written in your law that I said you are gods? They're not gods. They were men. They tried to say that he was making himself God. He wasn't. He's tried to tell them, didn't your law and didn't your prophets speak of me? He tells them, Jesus and I are one. I and my Father are one. That puts a little dispel too on the fact that those that believe it was Christ alone. And it's not. It's the three. But we're here today to talk about my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. How do you think you came to salvation? Someone shared the story. The Holy Spirit worked and you heard the voice of God calling you to repentance. And you repented. I repented. We all have came to that Decision, hopefully, if you're here and you haven't, today's the day. There's no day like now. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is near. And I give you unto them eternal life. The moment that you accept Christ, you, be, you receive eternal life. Not only that, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You start your journey as a new creature. It's not instantaneous. People need to come around and disciple you and help you. I think that is the biggest neglect in the church is discipleship. We get somebody saved or they get saved and we leave them to their own devices to work it out. You know, I guess people took that work out your own salvation literally. Uh, but we have new believers classes available when we have new believers. We have a discipleship program that takes them through 52 weeks of intense discipleship. 
and then they can start learning and understanding the, the lingo and the nuances and how a church works. Why unity is the most important thing in a church. Anything that causes disruption and, and, and division is not of God. Period. And so today we read these scriptures. Jesus was minding his business walking. He wasn't even teaching. He was just walking. And he was surrounded. They were plotting. They were plotting on how to kill him. And eventually, a little later on, they were plotting on how to kill Lazarus. See, Lazarus was the witness and the proof of a great miracle. He'd been in the grave three days and Jesus called him from the grave. And they thought if they could kill Jesus and kill Lazarus, they'd go away because they couldn't explain away Lazarus. And so they were trying to figure out how they could get rid of him. And eventually we know that starting next week, Next Sunday's Palm Sunday. That's when we had the triumphant entry. And so we know that starting next week was a rough week for Jesus. And this is ahead of that. This is ahead of that. He'll go on from here and he'll go to Bethany and he'll be anointed by Mary. But he had to fight this before he got there. I mean, they thought that he was the devil. They thought that he was the devil. And if they then thought that Jesus was the devil, what do you think they're going to see? What do you think today? If Jesus was to walk today, what do you think? How would that play today? Especially with the worldwide access we have. If Jesus was to perform a miracle, then, oh, you would have it all over social media that it was a, a, um, a Hollywood stunt or it was a made-up thing. If Jesus was to take somebody that they knew was blind from birth and open their eyes just by putting some mud on his eyes, how do you think that would play in today's media? Because today, the word Jesus Christ and those affiliated with him are considered deranged. We're considered racist. We're considered uh, phobic of a lot of phobias. No, we're realist. We see things through the worldview, through Jesus Christ, through God's lens. We understand that there are only two genders. We understand that you can outlaw pronouns and it doesn't change. By their own science, look up worldometer and look at the COVID deaths and look by gender. There's only two, male and female. However, what we have today is we have a tremendous amount of mental issues. Because Satan has run rampant in our higher institutions of learning and people have bought into that. Because years ago, we advocated our universities to the liberals. 
And today we're paying a price. We have generations that have been indoctrinated with socialism and anti-Christ and demonic teachings. And they're taught to question everybody that believes different than you. They're taught to turn in their parents if their parents have different beliefs. It's happening. It's happening. I read an article this week where a man was arrested in Canada because he referred to his daughter as her. It was an outlawed pronoun. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is it? You know, we live in a world today like Jesus. He, here he was walking and they surrounded him to try to catch him so that they could bring a charge against him. Today we go about our lives and we live our lives and everything is out there. If you put your life on social media, you get what you ask for. If you're going about your business and you're serving God and people aren't attacking you, there's something wrong. You're going to be attacked for your faith. It's coming to where we're going to have to defend our faith verbally and physically with our bodies. Doesn't mean we got to start a war or go to war, but what it means is we're going to be asked to give an account. And then we're going to get back to the verse, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. Right now it's hard for us to imagine. We live in a little well-insulated area. But it's coming. It's not that far from us. Two hours that way and about an hour and 15 minutes that way. It's happening. How long do you think before those that two hours away decide to go over here? And where do we live? In the middle. It's coming. It's coming. We see that justice prevails for those that are in the click. Justice is not blind for all. And Jesus here tells the answers. He's given them the answers. You're not my sheep. You're not my shepherds and you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We know the voice of Christ. We hear it every day when we're spending time in his word. When we're spending time meditating on his word. The Holy Spirit guides us. And he gave unto the sheep eternal life. How many of you doubt your eternity? If you're a child of Christ, there should be no doubt. I know without a shadow of a doubt that the promise of Jesus is true. Can I explain it to you? No. But I have a confidence down deep in my soul that he can do what he says he's going to do. I don't doubt that. In fact, the worst thing that can happen to me being persecuted is they kill me and they can't do that but one time. And then as from the body present with the Lord. Do I want to die? No. I've been given an opportunity by God to share his gospel and that's what I intend to do. 
I've been placed in this pulpit to preach the gospel, and that's what I intend to do. And I'll rely upon God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to lead me. With that said, I am not perfect. Jesus was perfect, and he's my Savior. Christ has called us to defend the word. Christ has called us to defend the faith. Christ has called us to witness. That's what we need to do. He's called us to disciple the nations. He said, start in Jerusalem. For those of you, Jerusalem is your family and close friends. And then he tells us to go to Judea. That's those friends that are outside that fringe that we're not really real close with, but we know them. We have, a, we, we, we have knowledge of them. We are to share the gospel with them. And then we're to go to Samaria, people of different different culture than us, different belief than us. We're to share the gospel in Samaria. And there's a lot of communities in Moore County now, Asian communities, Latino communities, that we can share the gospel with. And then it says, to the ends of the world, we're to share the gospel with all the nations and all the tongues of the world. We're to cross over these divides of, uh, of culture and, and, and language. Because he tells us that we are to recognize the voice of the shepherd. Well, there's folks that need to hear the shepherd is around so that they can hear the voice and we plant that seed. That's our job. That's what churches do. Some folks, to quote Brent Thomas, what is Deep Creek going to be? Is it going to be a hotel for the saved or a hospital for the sick? That's a decision we need to make, each one of us. So far, it's a hospital for the sick. I don't think in the near future or far future it will become a hotel for the saved. We have too many dedicated people here to, for that to happen. We are an outward-looking church. We're looking outside our walls of who we can help and how we can help, who we can partner with, who we can come alongside of. Because we heard the voice of the shepherd. We heard the voice of the shepherd. And he gave us eternal life. We have reason in this verse to believe in once saved, always saved. I gave them unto, and I, in verse 28, and I gave unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are the same. When you are saved, you are in the hand of Christ, the hand of God. You can't 
No one can take you out, not even you. That ought to be reassuring enough that your eternity is set. Your eternity is set. And Jesus tells them that he has eternal life. He tells them, goes on, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the shepherd. I'm the redeemer. He tells them that. And yet, their unbelieving hearts won't listen. For several reasons. They're caught up in their own power. They're afraid. You know, fear breeds a lot of things. They're, number one, they were afraid. Because he called them out of their heart. When he encountered them and perceived their thoughts, he put it in public. He understood not only the question, but the motives behind the question. And so what did they do? They interrupted his walk through the Solomon's porch. Surrounded him. And even says they picked up stones to stone him. And they couldn't. For two reasons. Number one, they didn't have the legality to do it. Number two, it wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. Next week is a different story for him. Next week is a different story for him. They're going to succeed in their plot to crucify him, to kill him. The power structure was such that they could not afford to lose their power, their grip, what they thought was respect, influence. They were drunk. Their idol was power, not God. They made up rules and twisted rules and changed interpretations of rules so that they could profit. It happens today. We have a lot of pastors in mega churches, not all, but some. It's all about profit for them. For them. We have evangelists who travel around in private jets. Think about the money that could be used to help the poor. Think about the money that could be used to feed the naked. The money that could be used to educate those who are uneducated. It's about them. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Preaching a doctrine that is not sound and found in Christ. So we are the sheep. The question is today, do you hear the shepherd's voice? Have you heard the shepherd's voice recently? If not, what will it take to get you back to hearing the voice of the shepherd? Is it something that you need to remove from your life? Is it business? Is it whatever it is? What keeps you from reading the Word of God for five minutes? 
I know some of us are so tired that as soon as we pick it up, we start to read the cause of our life, having to work and make ends meet. We sleep. It puts us to sleep. But wouldn't you rather go to sleep with the Word of God on your mind than, than just go to sleep? Some word is better than no word. And believe me, the Word of God will infiltrate your dreams. It will infiltrate your subconscious. You'll get some clarity in life. Or is it the fact that we just got out of the habit? Something happened, took our minds away for a couple of weeks, and we just don't seem to be able to pick it back up. Or is it that we've never done it? We were saved and we just never got into reading the Word of God. You need to encourage that intimacy with Christ. Think about when you, when you first started dating your, your husband or your, or your wife. Man, I want to know everything there was about sharing. Wasn't getting a lot of help from her friends. <laughs> they wouldn't give me her phone number. And that was back when we had landlines, so, you know, but uh, I tried. I, I was persistent. You know, that was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. Still is. I need to have that same drive with Christ. I need to be seeking Him with that same determination as I was to find out about her. I don't know that she was trying to find out about me as much, but because <laughs> I pretty much what you see is what you get. There ain't a lot there. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yep. And that's how we should be with Jesus. Seeking Him. Wanting Him. Wanting to know Him deeper and deeper. You know, he says we're supposed to have abundant life. If your life's not abundantly full of him, seek him. He will give it to you. There's amazing things waiting to be revealed in the work in these books. Amazing things. And when you come to understand them, and the light bulb goes off, and it's aha, wow, what a great day. So if you're here today and you've been surrounded by this world, your path has been blocked by people trying to stop you on your way, to coerce you into denying the deity of Christ, today's the day. Hear the voice of the shepherd calling you. If you've not got a relationship, listen to the voice of the shepherd. If you need to renew that relationship, today's the day. The kingdom of God is near. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next minute. In fact, I talked to a man Friday here at the church. He had walked his dog. And he said his pastor started to preach. Passed out in the pulpit. 85 years old, still preaching the Word of God. 
He's back in the pulpit Wednesday night. God's good. God is good. He said the whole time he was unconscious, he could see Jesus. <laughs> That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for all that you do. Lord, I ask you that not one soul leave here today without having recommitted or committed to you. That that relationship be strong. That this congregation would commit to five minutes of Bible reading a day. Not for the will of the church, but for you and your kingdom and your glory. Lord, I just love you. I ask all this in your holy and precious name. Amen.